Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A show where a nerd fits in. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to a Flashback Friday episode. That is where we we are at. If you're listening to us the day this show is uploaded, it is a Friday, May 26th. Right next to me is Kimmy. I got one thing. Kimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 Hi. Hi. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. That, that, that's right. Uh, uh, hello there. Well, hello, Kimmy. <laughs> hello. And and I bet you're happy it is a flashback Friday, right? Oh, yes. That reason being because that means uh, Saturday is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually Friday evening. That's probably when you get really happy, right? Mm-hmm. We're here to make everybody happy. That's what the Riley and Kimmy show is all about. We offer a daily variety talk show. You found the place where, uh, well, we talk about uh, nerd things, uh, pop culture things, and definitely focus on the world of yesteryear, the world of nostalgia, retro. That's what the Riley and Kimmy show is all about. If you like what you hear, be sure to follow us on Facebook and other social media and have your friends do the same. Help the show grow. And you can find all our social media links right on our website, which is... RileyandKimmy.com. And when you're there, be sure to check out all the nerd links we have and video interviews, celebrity interviews, nerd news, and also check out our event page to find out where the Riley and Kimmy show will be going on the road to. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. And we have just updated, just well, just recently, the uh, the marketing department of the Riley and Kimmy Show, the promotions department. I think that's what their official title is. They updated some things going into 2018. You can add to that list, too, if you have a pop culture event in Central Florida, a nerd event you would like the Riley and Kimmy Show to be part of and to promote, just contact us. Or if you have an animal event, too, maybe a pet-oriented event, we have a show just designed specifically for animals and pets called Animal Special. And we're available for your Florida locations for the animal and pet events as well. And please contact us. You can find out more where we are at and also how to contact us for events right on our event page, which is on our website. And what is that web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. It's a flashback Friday, I guarantee. By the conclusion of this show, we will go back in time. We will honor something, focus something for Flashback Friday. Now, the question I have right now for Kimmy is, would you like to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia on this Friday, May 26th? 
All right, let's do it. timeline has been adjusted a little bit it is out of whack out of sync it is not linear it is not chronological so feel free to help kimmy if you think she might be struggling with an answer or you think boy she's just going to miss that one shout out an answer that's right yell at your laptop desktop tablet smartphone whatever computing device you're listening to the riley and kimmy show on because we are mobile we are global you can take us anywhere on planet earth that's right you can take us to alaska you can take us to australia You can also take us to work. You can take us home. You can take us to lunch. Or you can take us to bed. We won't tell. You can take us anywhere and tell your friends about us. Help the show grow. Here we go, Kimmy. Let's go to the very first question for this nerd and pop culture part of trivia. Are you alert? I got to check here. I got to make sure it's not the short attention span theater here. Uh-huh. Okay, are you, are you ready? Oh, yeah. All right, Kimmy, the very first question we have for you is about a certain type of vehicle. It was on this date, Kimmy, that the first successful helicopter flight happened. Now, when did this happen? When did the first successful helicopter flight in the United States happen? We will give you a plus or minus of 10 years. When did the first helicopter go up and it was a success? It's probably earlier than I would think, but um, I'm going to guess 1945. Kimmy, you get it within the 10 and you actually were very close. It was 1940 when the very first helicopter went up with a successful flight. That was by Igor Skokorsky, who would do other... uh, uh, well, well, dude, helicopters uh, from that point on. And actually before that, he was a, he was great in aviation. And the helicopter would actually make its uh, appearance in the Korean War. That's why MASH, it's really a focal point uh, because they would use it for medevac. It did not see really anything for World War II. It was not until, until the Korean War. Moving over to something else happening on this date in history. Remember, the timeline is adjusted. It's 1864. The territory of Montana was organized. It was on this date, Kimmy. Pay attention here. Let's see if they taught you something in history or if you paid attention to the past episodes of the Riley and Kimmy show. It was on this date in 1868. This president was acquitted by just one vote of all charges in his impeachment trial. He was the vice president to Abraham Lincoln, then became president. Who is it? Um, Last name is accepted. Johnson? That's correct. It's Andrew Johnson. 1868 that happened just by one vote he you know he he was able to walk away from it one vote it was on this date Kimmy the word frisbee became a registered trademark for what company what company was the one who's known for the frisbee can you tell me the name of the company Hasbro not Hasbro one more guess Kenner not Kenner either Kimmy the next question we have for you before we reveal that answer what year did the word Frisbee become a registered trademark? We are looking for a plus or minus of two years. Now, we'll make it five. We'll be fair with you. Five years. Now, while you think about that on this flashback Friday, let's go back in time to an early. This is like right at the time period when the Frisbee was being marketed for the first time. What the Frisbee? A Frisbee's fun. 
It's a flying saucer that you command. Watch. This is the way to curve a frisbee. This is the way to curve a frisbee. Catch a frisbee. Catch a frisbee. Skip a frisbee. Skip a frisbee. This is the way to hold a frisbee. This is the way to boomerang it every Monday morning. Afternoon and evening. Frisbee's a game of keep away. Frisbee's a game of keep away. It lifts like a plane. Or a flying saucer. And it twirls around like a gyroscope. Frisbee's the way to lots of fun. At the park or beach or picnic. For every one of the family. For every one of the family. Frisbees are sold everywhere under a dollar five. Want fun? Get Frisbee. It flies through the air with the greatest of ease. Want fun? Get Frisbee. It's the newest, fastest, most flying fun under the sun. Frisbee is actually a soft, round airfoil with gyro action. It flies straight as an arrow or bounces off a walk. You can even run for a pass. Frisbee football. Get mom and dad into the game. Frisbee is wonderful family fun. Frisbee is a brand new kind of toy. It's the sensational flying saucer that you command. You can make it soar just like a bird. You can throw it away and make it come right back like a boomerang. You can even curve it around trees. If you want fun, get Frisbee today. And remember, if it doesn't say whammo, it isn't a Frisbee. Okay, we answered one of the questions. That was whammo, which Kimmy could not remember. Whammo. Now you remember whammo. Mm -hmm. What year, Kimmy, the word Frisbee became a registered trademark? We've given you a five-year plus or minus. 1958. Kimmy, unbelievable. 1959. Woo! Yes, 1959. Did you like the Frisbee jingle that they had there? I'll bet you have that on your MP3 player. Well, matter of fact, Kimmy, I have many things on my MP3 player. Yes, you do. Yes, (laughs) Yes, I do. I was just trying to remember if we even have a Frisbee in the house anymore. I don't think we do. Because we don't have a... None, none of the fur kids that we have are presently Frisbee players. Mm-hmm. We've had Frisbee players in the past. Mm-hmm. But presently, nobody is a Frisbee player. Although I suspect one of, uh, one of the kids right here sleeping would be a Frisbee player. If she's mm. given the opportunity. I think she would be. Hmm. So on this date, 1969, the Apollo 10 astronauts returned to the Earth after a successful eight-day journey... To the moon. Question for you, Kimmy, is did they land on the moon or not? Which one? Thank you for paying attention to the Riley and Kimmy show. Let's go back to the question, Kimmy. The year is 1969. The Apollo 10 astronauts returned to Earth after a successful eight-day journey into space. Did they land on the moon or not? Um, no. No, they did a. They came very close, but it was all a dress rehearsal for. The mission that did land on the moon, which is what? what Apollo no- 11. Yes, that's right. Apollo 11. That was the first one. That's that's correct, Kimmy. You are paying attention. That's good. Let's see how you do with music, because that is your favorite category. It was on this date, 1973. This single was released. Two-part question. Identify the recording artists. But first of all, tell us the title of the single.
Okay, Kimmy, some easy listening music there. Let's see if you can identify it. Tell me the name of the song. Smoke on the Water. Okay, you hippie, tell me the name of the recording artist. I don't know. You should. You actually like this group. It's Deep Purple who had that as a hit. I do? Yeah, you like Deep Purple. Okay. Smoke on the water. Fire in the sky. wonder what they're talking about. Do you know what they're talking about? Mm-mm. I do, but we will not reveal that because this is a kid-friendly show. That'll let your imaginations run. It was on a date in 1974 in London. 1,000 people needed medical treatment, and a 14-year-old girl died when a crowd lost control at a David Cassidy concert. Mm. That's 1974. I have a feeling, strong feeling, that that really upset him when he found that out, actually. Mm. That mm-hmm. would be. That'd be quite upsetting. Yeah. It was on a date in 1978. The first legal casino in the eastern United States opens, Kimmy. Where? What state, what city, whichever you can name, was that legal casino, the first one in the eastern portion of the United States, meaning on the other side of the Mississippi River? Atlantic City. That's it. (laughs) Oh, oh, you sneaky person. You actually knew that. You gambler, you. Yes, Atlantic City, New Jersey. That happened in 1978. It was on this date in 1994. This recording artist, this superstar, marries Lisa Marie Presley, who... Was it? Michael Jackson? That's right. What year did they get divorced? They were married in 94. Um, 95? They divorced in 1996. Now, I don't know if they you know, separated before that, but it was 1996. It was on this date, 1998, the United States Supreme Court ruled that Ellis Island was mainly in New Jersey, not New York. It was on this date, 1999, it was announced that the Backstreet Boys album Millennium had sold 1.13 million units its first week of release. Were you one of those who bought the Backstreet Boys Millennium? No. Do you have any Backstreet Boys at all? Mm, MP3, no. anything? No? I might have one. All right, moving over to celebrity and notable birthdays. This person is famous for playing a detective on this TV show. Identify the TV show. Identify the TV show. Miami Vice. That's right. This person played a detective on it. He played Tubbs. Name the actor. He played Ricardo Tubbs. Mm-hmm. You know, who like to say, inside. Tell me who the actor is. He had three names he went by. He was the three-name guy. Um, Philip Michael Vincent? Ooh, you're so close. You got, you got it all but the last name right. Philip Michael don't know. Thomas. Thomas. Philip Michael Thomas. You know, he tried to be a recording artist, too, during the time of Vice. Tried to release. He actually released uh, an album, and it nothing picked mm. off of it. Although Don Johnson's did, his his did not. And if you want to see something interesting, check out the uh, Johnny Carson interviews with him. 
where he talks about where he wants to be in a certain point of time. It's sad, too, in a way, when you watch it from, you know, now. Maybe mm-hmm. back then it was really cool, but then mm-hmm. or now, not, not so much. So on this date, 1886, this person was born, died 1950 at the age of 64. Name is Al Jolson Kimmy, American singer, film actor, and comedian. At the peak of his career, he was dubbed the world's greatest entertainer. Numerous well-known singers were influenced by his music, including Bing Crosby, David Bowie, Bob Dylan, Rod Stewart, and many others. Bob Dylan once referred to him as somebody whose life I can feel. Here's a sample of Al Jolson. Good, good, good tea. Goodbye. Good, good, good tea. Don't cry. A little choo-choo train. That takes me away from you. You don't know just how sad it makes me. Just be pretty and then ow, ow, do it over again. Watch for the mail. I'll never fail. If you don't get a letter, then you know I'm in jail. Hey, hey, don't cry, Tootsie, don't cry. Yeah, and that's Al Jolson, born on this date, 1886. Next person, Kimmy, born his real name, Marion Morrison, actor, born 1907. Identify who it is with this audio clue. This is the story of Fort Apache, of the regiment, the officers and men who manned her, how they lived, how some of them died. Fort Apache was the last frontier, a tiny cavalry outpost in the heart of Indian-infested country. My name is Captain Kirby York. I'd been through enough Indian campaigning to have a healthy respect for the Apache, both as a fighter and as a man. Colonel Owen Thursday, the new commanding officer, was a career man out of headquarters in Washington with a lot of strange ideas about frontier discipline, military science. Kimmy, who is that mystery birthday voice? John Wayne. That's correct. John Wayne, born Marion Morrison. They changed his name. Died what year, Kimmy? Within five years. 1975? 1979. He passed away at the age of 72. Can you tell me his last film? I will tell you, Ron Howard and Scatman Crothers were in it with him. Who shot Liberty Valance? That is, no, that's an early film he did. Um, Not early, but mid, uh, mid-career. That, but you are accurate because they use parts of it. They take a just a they 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 were very creative to show the character he's playing his his long life as a gunman. They use a segment from that and from other films, and it, it's tribute, but it's also very well done. You don't it's not obvious to the person who doesn't know his career. The movie is The Shootist, 1976. He knew he was he was dying of cancer when he filmed it. It's a fantastic film that one is because Jimmy Stewart is in it too. He plays a doctor who does confirm the diagnosis of him dying. But Jimmy Stewart was also in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And that's a fantastic film from 1962. You see a very young Lee Marvin playing a psychopath in it. And John Wayne is cooler than cool in that one. And he actually saves Jimmy Stewart's character. It's really cool and extremely well done. Those two I I totally recommend to check out. Now, the question for you, Kimmy, is did John Wayne ever win the Academy Award? Um, yes. Very good. One time. Now tell me the movie he won the Academy Award for. True Grit? That's correct, 1969. And I have a feeling you've never seen the original True Grit, have you? Mm, I don't recall. Please check that one out. I, I guarantee it's not like the one you did see, the uh, 
the mm. reboot, the remake. Next person born on this day, 1913, died 1994 at the age of 81. Played in many things, known for horror films with Hammer Films, in which he played a, well, roles like Baron Frankenstein. Sherlock Holmes he played too, and also the vampire hunter Dr. Van Helsing, among many other things. And he would often act alongside Christopher Lee and occasionally Vincent Price. But he's also known for being in the very first Star Wars film. Identify who the actor is. Here's your audio clue. Princess Leia, before your execution, I would like you to be my guest at a ceremony that will make this battle station operational. No star system will dare oppose the Emperor now. Not after we demonstrate the power of this station. In a way, you have determined the choice of the planet that will be destroyed first. Since you are reluctant to provide us with the location of the rebel base, I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. Recently, they resurrected him digitally for a Star Wars film. Kimmy, can you identify who the actor is? Mm-hmm. Very well. We're waiting for your answer. I can see him. Yes. I can see him in my mind. Yes. And I know his name. Sure you do. Please, please share with us. He worked with Christopher Lee many times. Unfortunately, he and Christopher Lee did not work together in the Star Wars films. That would have been fantastic. Can you give me the initials? P.C. Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, that's correct. Born on this date, 1913. Died 1994 at the age of 81. Next person, Kimmy. Known for television work. Known for playing the sidekick to The Lone Ranger. That is Jay Silverheels. He played Tano. The Lone Ranger. horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hayo Silver, the Lone Ranger. Hayo Silver! Away! With his faithful Indian companion, Toto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early west. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. The Lone Ranger rides again. Day 1912, died 1980 at the age of 67. Tonto on the Lone Ranger. Staying in Western Skimmy, this person born 1923. He was an actor who played on Gunsmoke. He played Marshall Matt Dillon. Here's your audio clue. I try to remember that if they'd argued a little, they might not be here. Arguing doesn't fill any graves. Take me, I'm a U.S. Marshal. How many times I'd rather have argued than gone for guns? Take Dodge City over there. Gomorrah of the Plains, they call it. Jump-off spot. People coming and going all the time, good, bad, and worse. Temper's high. A man will draw his gun quicker to prove a point than he'll draw on his logic. That's where I come in. 
whether they like it or not. When they draw their guns, somebody's got to be around. Somebody on the law side. The Lord knows they hate that. Kimmy, identify that voice. Who played Marshal Matt Dillon on TV from 1955 to 1975? Well, it's Peter Graves' brother. Very good. That is right. It is Peter Graves' brother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it is his brother. Mm-hmm. And he played the full-sized version thing in the thing from Outer Space, the horror film. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. Very big person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is it, yep. Kimmy? I got it right. Yeah, you no, you didn't get it right. Tell me tell me his name. Kimmy is his initials. J.A. J.A. He also played in the return to Dodge in 1987 and four more made-for-television Gunsmoke films in the 1990s. James Arness. That is right. Give me James Arness. Now, he was not the first choice to play Marshall Dillon on TV. Who was the first person the studio wanted to play Matt Dillon? The same person that played him on the radio? No. He could not play on television. They thought he was not physically the right size. Yeah. William Conrad, they said, you, and which is weird, the radio show is going on at the same time when they start the TV show and still goes on for years. Okay. John Wayne? That is correct. John Wayne declined it because of film commitments, but he recommended James Arness. Matter of fact, in the very first episode of Gunsmoke, he introduces the world to Gunsmoke on television and James Arness. The interesting part is when you listen to it, there is no reference to the fact that Gunsmoke has been a successful show on radio for years. Good evening. My name's Wayne. Some of you may have seen me before. I hope so. I've been kicking around Hollywood a long time. I've made a lot of pictures out here. All kinds. And some of them have been westerns. And that's what I'm here to tell you about tonight. A western. A new television show called Gunsmoke. No, I'm not in it. I wish I were, though. Because I think it's the best thing of its kind that's come along. I hope you'll agree with me. It's honest, it's adult, it's realistic. When I first heard about the show Gunsmoke, I knew there was only one man to play in it. James Arness. He's a young fella and maybe new to some of you, but I've worked with him and I predict he'll be a big star. So you might as well get used to him like you've had to get used to me. And now I'm proud to present my friend Jim Arness in... Gunsmoke. That is how the very first episode of the television show Gunsmoke opened up. And what an endorsement, right? That's cool. <laughs> that is way cool. Moving over to somebody else born on this date in history. Born 1926, it's Miles Davis. Died 1991 at the age of 65. An American jazz trumpeter, band leader, and composer. He is among the most influential and acclaimed figures in the history of jazz and 20th century music. <laughs> Thank you. 
Miles Davis, born on this date, 1926, staying in the world of music. Kimmy, we have a question for you about this birthday person. Identify who it is. Tell me how old she is. Here is a song, a sample from 1983 that she did. Tell me who it is and tell me how old she is. Kimmy, identify who has that golden voice. Stevie Nicks. That's correct. And how old is Stevie Nicks? Um, Within five. 67. She's 69. You get that right. And by the way, the song Stand Back from 1983, was it a number one hit on the Billboard yes. Hot 100? No, it was a number five hit for oh. her. Moving over to somebody else having a birthday. See if you can identify this actress, Kimmy, and tell me how old she is. She starred in Quentin Tarantino's film Jackie Brown in 1997, and then she was on the TV show Smallville. She played Amanda Waller in three episodes. Who is she? I don't know. Oh, boy. You remember her. I know you know mm -hmm. her. It's Pam Greer having yeah. a birthday today. She is 68 today. Next person, Kimmy astronaut no longer with us born on this date in 1951 died 2012 at the age of 61 she became the first american woman in space in 1983, who is it? Sally Ride. Sally Ride. Oh, you wanna do is ride around Sally Ride. Oh, you wanna do is ride around Sally Ride. Wilson Pickett's Mustang Sally fits for Sally Ride. She was born on this date, 1951. Next person, actress. Kimmy, tell me how old she is once you identify who it is. She uh, starred for a period of time on this ABC soap opera. Tell me the soap opera. Okay, Kimmy, I know you watched that one. Tell me the name of the soap. General Hospital. Very good. This actress played Laura Spencer on that show. Tell me who it is. Jeannie Francis. Yes, and how old is she today? Um, 62. She is 55, so you miss it with a five-year buffer. Ooh. Yes, 55 today. Really? Hmm. Moving over to somebody else in the world of entertainment. Musician, singer, identify who it is. Tell me how old he is today. I want to get away. I want to fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go and see the stars. The Milky Way. I'm keeping Mars. Yes, who's singing about the Milky Way or maybe Mars? Who is that, Kimmy? Lenny Kravitz. That's right. How old is Lenny Kravitz today? Um, 48. He is 53 today. Fly Away from 1999. Was that a number one hit? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, it was. Moving over to somebody else having a birthday. Identify who she is. She's an actress known for her role as Queen Elizabeth in the King's Speech in 2010. She played in Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And she played in Alice in Wonderland, who liked to chop people's heads off. And she was involved for a long period of time with Tim Burton. Who is she? Um, yeah, it's one of your 
favorite. And she broke Sonny Crockett's heart in an episode of Miami Vice. That's right. Yes. A long time ago. Yes. Yep. Who is that? Give me the three named human being. Wow, I'm totally drawing blanks on names today. It's those three names, I today. think, that are doing it to you. Yeah. Helena Bonham. Bonham Carter. Yes. How old is she today within five? 46. She is 51. Okay. Moving over to another section of trivia. I see dead people. It is Notable Deaths, Kimmy. This person, actor, died at the age of 99 in 2005. See if you can identify who it is with a sample of, well, a role that he was known for in the 1960s going into the 1970s. Here is a little audio bite. Tell me the name of the actor. Mr. Haney, if my mother says she didn't sleep, she didn't sleep. Mr. Haney, I've got to get some breakfast and then I've got to go out and look for a plow. Oops. Mr. Haney, I'm not going to buy that plow that you just happen to have on your truck. Who is that who is always being pitched something from Mr. Haney? Eddie Arnold. That's right. Eddie Arnold. What TV show? Green Acres. That's correct. He passed away on this date, 2005, at the age of 99. By the way, that episode with his mother, they actually had an actress playing his mom who really wasn't much older than he was. Hmm. It's kind of weird thing. They, I guess he was supposed to be a lot younger <laughs> than than uh, he was. Uh Okay, it was on this date, Kimmy, 2010. This person died at the age of 97 in the 1950s. He became a major investor in and promoter of the hula hoop. In 1963, he became the endorser and spokesperson for Milton Bradley's The Game of Life. His picture appeared on the game's $100,000 bills. Now, and it was also on the box, his picture, framed by the statement, I heartily endorse this game. Do you know who that person is? Art Linkletter. Art Linkletter and the kids. Join us for 15 minutes of unrehearsed, unpredictable fun with children. Starring kids from 2 to 10. With the Pied Piper of TV and radio, the people are funny man, Art Linkletter. Hello there. In just a moment, we're going to talk to the kids. But before I do... I'd like to tell you about the two rules that I try to follow in presenting youngsters. First of all, I never tell them what to say, because I figure that they can think of better things to say than I could, even if I wanted to tell them. And secondly, I never tell them what not to say, because if they say something startling or unsuspecting, they say it in all innocence, in all frankness. never embarrasses me. Uh, even a story that a little girl told the other day, I said to her, how'd your mother and daddy meet? And she said, um, well, mother was taking a bath one day. <laughs> That's a great start for a story, isn't it? And she said, the doorbell rang, and my little sister answered the doorbell, and there was a man there who said that he'd like to see mother. So my little sister let him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't tell what they're going to say, but you know that it's going to be fun as we invite you in to meet our four young guests in our playroom. Boy, that sounds like a lot of fun there, doesn't it, Kimmy? <laughs> yeah. Kids say the darndest things. Uh, yeah, well, you know, that was a bit. That was actually a show he actually had there, but he also had that part of, you know, way before that, where he had the kids' playroom and 
uh, the, he wouldn't coach him what to say and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. No. He actually had a, a board game, and no, I do not want to see it. It actually had his face like on half the game, mm-hmm. and it was that. And that thing, I just ugh, terrorized. Yeah, me. that that sat up in our. That's where it belonged. Upstairs on our front porch, on the dusty front porch. Upstairs, Who would have played and, that thing? I'd never played it. We never got that game out. I you know mean, there why were it was piles? Up there. there were piles of games. You know up why there. that one was up there, don't you? Mm-mm. Keep mice away. Oh. Probably scared them. That, that 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 box, that cover right there. Yeah, Art Linkletter, mm. 2010, passed away. Moving over to another person who passed away on this day, 2013, Jack Vance, American mystery, fantasy, and science fiction writer, died at the age of 96. That wraps up the list today. Kimmy, your, uh, your attention was with us most of the time. We appreciate it. I think you did a great job on this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show, a Flashback Friday. And in honor of Flashback Friday and some things we talked about or something we talked about from trivia, we'll go back in time right now to the golden age of radio. Radio It's a Riley and Kimmy show. We mentioned John Wayne, and I thought we'd have two examples of John Wayne from the golden age of radio. That's right. The movie star did radio as well. As a matter of fact, did radio adaptations of two very big films of his. This is not the audio lifted from the movies. These are actual independent radio productions of these classic films. First one is Stagecoach, 1949 is when it originally aired, starring John Wayne with Claire Trevor and Ward Bond, yeah, the guy from Wagon Train, and then Ford Apache. From 1949, starring John Wayne with Ward Bond, both of these are back-to-back, uninterrupted, and safe for all ages. Yes, little ears can hear this. Kicking it off, here's John Wayne with Stagecoach from 1949 on the Riley and Kimmy Show. This is the Screen Directors Guild production of the United Artists motion picture classic, Stagecoach. Starring John Wayne, Claire Trevor, and Ward Bond. And introducing the director of the film, John Ford. Before we begin our story, here are a few words about the entertainment you will hear tonight and in future weeks at this time. The NBC Theater is proud to welcome the president of the Screen Directors Guild and the eminent director of such films as Variety Girl, The Perils of Pauline, and Tap Roots, Mr. George Marshall. Thank you and good evening. This is the first performance of a series of Screen Directors Guild productions. <coughs> in which the directors will personally bring you their favorite film assignments, along with the stars who created the original roles. Tonight, your director is John Ford. John, if you remember, is the winner of five Academy Awards, the guiding hand behind such great pictures as The Informer, How Green Was My Valley, and, of course, Stagecoach. You're on the set, John. Thank you, George. And good luck on our... First production, 
Stagecoach is ready to roll. The last time I made that crack was about ten years ago. And <laughs> I first had the opportunity of putting on film this Romance of the West. For the cast, the picture offers an array of colorful character types, ripe for the actor's talents. Now the story and the cast are united again. Here is Stagecoach with John Wayne as the Ringo Kid, Claire Trevor as Dallas, and Ward Bond as Doc Boone. In 1885, the stagecoach was the only means of travel on the American frontier, and in those days, no name struck more dread into the hearts of travelers than Geronimo, leader of the warlike Apaches. This, folks, is a story of a party of people who traveled from Tonto to Lordsburg by stagecoach in 1885. It's a story still told by the Indians. In the land of Arizona, land of the Apache Indian, where the roaming Chiricahua fought the mighty white invader, stood the white man's city, Tonto. Tonto, where the flying wagon that the white man called a stagecoach stopped to take men to the westward, where Geronimo was leader, chief of the Apache Indians. Well, that's how it is, folks. Geronimo's Apaches on the warpath up ahead, burning every ranch in sight. Oh. Then the question before the party assembled in this stagecoach is, shall we continue? I say yes. Continue. But, Mrs. Mallory, should you be traveling in your condition? My husband is in Apache Wells with his troops. I want to be with him when our baby arrives. Madam, I am a gambler, and I admire and respect a bold gamble. But aren't you gambling with a life besides your own? Oh, I forgot to tell you, Mr. Hatfield. We're getting a cavalry escort for his Apache Wells. That settles it. I'm going on. Count me in, of course, Buck. All right. I'll go find my shotgun guard. You don't have to go no further, Buck. What? Curly! Well, <laughs> doggone. How are you, Sheriff? Fine, thanks. And I'll be riding shotgun up next to you this trip, Buck. You? What for? The Ringo kid escaped from prison. I'm looking for him. The fellow who shot Jed Michael dead? I hear he's heading for Lordsburg to shoot it out with the three plumber boys. So I'll be right up there next to you, Buck, all the way to Lordsburg. There she comes. Top of the hill now. There comes the stagecoach. Better stand back a bit, Doc. Yeah, stand... Stand out of the road there, Dallas girl. Thanks, Doc. Hail the stagebrush chariot. Doc, Doc, why do I have to leave town? Because, because all these women here say I have to. I don't want to go to Lordsburg. No more do I, Dallas. 
But you are a lady somewhat too hospitable to gentlemen. And I am a doctor somewhat too hospitable to spirits. We girl are the dregs of Tonto. They send us from their midst. Come, Dallas, be a glorified drag like me. Hi Buck. You have acquired two more eager passengers. The engines are rising, Doc. I thank them for that mark of respect. <laughs> Tell them they may be seated now. Enter, Dallas. Thanks, Tom. Take your place beside the other lady. Then forward. On to Lodgeburg! What you driving through this canyon, Buck? Well, I aim to be hard to shoot at in case Geronimo's Apaches are in these hills. I'm with you, Buck. The law. And that don't make me bulletproof. No! <laughs> oh, kingdom high! Here she comes, Apaches! Keep your shirt on and stop the coach. It ain't Apaches. Someone up ahead, blocking the road, with a rifle. Oh, oh, oh. Here he comes, whoever he is. What? It's the Ringo Kid. That's right, Buck. Hiya, Curly. Ringo. Didn't expect to find the sheriff riding shotgun. I was heading for Lordsburg, same as you, Ringo. Well, my horse went lame, so you got another passenger. I'll take that rifle first, Ringo. That's so, Sheriff. You're under arrest for the murder of Jed Michael. Sorry, Curly, but this Winchester here says different. Sorry, Ringo, but if you look back up the road a piece, you'll see our escort of United States Cavalry coming up. Oh. I'll take that rifle now, Ringo. Sure, Sheriff. But you better hold on to it. You may need it before we get to Lordsburg. Thanks. You can get into the coach now. Much obliged, Sheriff. Get going, Buck. Yep! Sully! Yep! Yep! Hiya! So you're the famous Ringo Kid, huh? My friends call me Ringo. Right name's Henry. Hmm, Henry? Why, I remember you. See, I fixed your arm when you was just a little sprout. He's no higher than a quart of bourbon. Well, that was my kid brother broke his arm. You did a good job, too, Doc, even if you was drunk. Well, thank you, son. How's your brother now? He was murdered. Oh, no. Him and my dad by the three plumber boys. Well, good luck when you get to Lordsburg, son. Thanks, Doc. Mrs. Mallory, you're tired. Would you like to rest your head on my shoulder? No, thank you. Mr. Hatfield, would you mind if I sat over on your side of the coach? Not at all, ma'am. Excuse me. Yes, of course. Right here, Mrs. Mallory. Thank you, Mr. Hatfield. Hmm. I must have the plague, huh, Dallas? You. Oh, no, it's not you. Have a drink, Hatfield? No, thank you. No, thank you, he says. <laughs> have a drink, Doc? Yes, thank you. You're not going to move away from me, are you? No, Ringo. Well, I guess I can't expect to break out of prison and into society in the same week. Shh, she'll hear you. Uh, I guess I'm pretty dumb for sitting down beside a lady like you, Dallas. A lady? Thanks for not moving. Oh, 
Don't, don't, please. Why are you looking at me like that? Ain't I seen you someplace before? No. No, no, you haven't. I wish I had, though. I know you. I mean, I know who you are. Uh, I used to be a good cowhand. A few years back, things happened. Yes, things happened. Drink up, Doc. Doc's getting a snoot full. Things happen. And now they'll take you back to prison. Not till I finish a job in Lordsburg. Ringo, I... I wish you wouldn't. Wish I wouldn't what? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Confound that driver. Why doesn't he drive more carefully? He's playing it smart, Hatfield. He took to the mountains. Apaches don't like snow. Well, he might have some consideration for Mrs. Mallory and her condition. Oh, I'll be all right, Mr. Hatfield. Thank you. Apache Wells just ahead. Apache Wells. Mr. Hatfield, why didn't my husband and his troops meet us here? The Wrangler tells me that Captain Mallory has been sent ahead to Lordsburg. Well, we'd better turn around and follow the cavalry escort to Tonto. Oh, we can't do that. With Apaches on the warpath, it ain't safe to go through Apache country without escort. I say we ought to turn back. There's only one way to find out. Take a vote. What do you say, Mrs. Mallory? On to Lordsburg or back to Tonto? I want my husband with me when our baby's born. Doc, ain't you forgot this lady? You mean Dallas? Oh, I, I say go. I've nothing to go back to. Doc? Mm, Lordsburg. Pass the bottle. Pass the bottle. Ringo? Ringo's my prisoner. I'm voting his proxy. I say Lordsburg. Hatfield? I am at the service of Mrs. Mallory. Thank you. Buck? Well, Lordsburg it is. Alistair, step inside and get some grub. Looks spry. You better take my arm up these steps, Mrs. Mallory. No, thank you. Really, I'm quite... I'm quite... Mrs. Mallory. I've got her. Dr. Boone. Mrs. Mallory needs your help. Oh, it's no use. He's drunk. Ringo. Yeah? I I don't know for sure, but I think you'd better go inside and start heating some water. All you want, and then some. And then some. Carry her inside, Mr. Hatfield. Oh, allow me. (coughs) Allow me. I'll carry her myself, you sot. Thank you, sir. You drunken swine... Thank you. Now, if you'll open the door for me, Dallas. Yes. Drunken swine of a doctor. Doc, honest, ain't you ashamed? Did did I understand that swine to call me a drunken swine? Oh, I wish I could do something. There is something you can do, Buck. Yeah, but what can you do in your condition? I can drink all of the hot... Black coffee you can make. I, sir, am a doctor. Now get busy. Get busy.
The NBC Theater is presenting the Screen Directors Guild production of Stagecoach, starring Claire Trevor, John Wayne, and Ward Bond, with Screen Director John Ford. Apache Wells, the white man called it. Here the white squaw had her child. While the flying wagon waited, waited while my tribesmen gathered. On the hills and on the desert gathered the Apache warriors. While the white squaw had her child and the flying wagon waited. Oh, it makes me nervous being held up like this in Apache country. Just when they're mad at us again. Quiet, Buck. Huh? Someone's coming. Dallas? Look. It's a little girl. A girl? Let me see it. Well, I'll be doggone. That's real fine, ain't it, Dallas? Real fine. Oh, yes, Curly. It's, it's fine. A baby. Uh, how? Well, I mean, the... Why? I'll explain it to you sometime, Buck. Listen, boys. Doc Boone. Three cheers for Doc Boone. Never mind the three cheers. Just pour me four fingers instead. I'm thirsty. Ringo. Oh. You oughtn't to be outside here at night alone. Patsy's like to pick off strays. Well, you're here now. Yeah, I, uh, I watched you with that baby today. You looked... You looked, well, nice. I just wanted to hold it a minute. <laughs> you're visiting in Lordsburg? Uh, I have friends there. Oh, good. Ringo, why don't you escape? I aim to. In Lordsburg. Well, why not now? Why not go over the border now? My father and brother were shot down by the plumber boys. I guess you don't know how it feels to lose your folks that way. My folks were killed by Indians when I was a kid. Oh, that's tough. Well, it's a hard country. Especially for a girl. You have to live no matter what. That's it. Look, Miss Dallas, you got no folks. Neither have I. Maybe I'm crazy to ask you, but... Well, I still got a ranch down across the border, and I... Well, I guess I'm crazy being close to you like this, but... Ringo! Ringo! You don't know me. You don't know who I am, or... Or... I know I want to marry you, Dallas. Ringo! That ain't an answer, Dallas. Ringo, you, you can't go to Lordsburg. Not now. The plumber boys will be three to one against you. You'll get killed. Can't tell. You can't win. Can't run away from it either. How can you talk about our life together when you want to throw your life away? Well, what do you want me to do? Get away. I'll follow you. You mean that, Dallas? Well, I just can't leave Mrs. Mallory and her baby now, but but listen. There's a horse all saddled and ready for you in the corral. What? Yeah, there's a rifle in the saddle boot. 
Now get going. I'll come after you. I'm counting on that, Dallas, with my life. Goodbye, Ringo. Watch out for Apaches. I got a rifle now, and I got you. Don't worry, Dallas. I'll be waiting. Smoke signals on the ridge. Apaches. I gotta warn Dallas and the others. I gotta go back. Yeah! And on the mesa smoked our Chiricahua fires. Rise, the fires told my nation. Strike the white man's flying wagon. Rise, my kinsmen. Rise, Apaches. Chieftains, horsemen, lances, rifles. Stagecoach on the Lordsburg Trail. Thus the signals on the mesa. Thus the writing in the sky. Thus my fierce Apache horsemen follow on the Lordsburg Trail. making good time. I say we're out of danger now, thanks to Ringo here. Very decent of you to come back, Ringo. I wouldn't be too sure we're out of danger yet, Hadfield. We'll be in Lordsburg soon, then. Very soon. How's the baby? Sleeping. Doc told me what you did for me. Thank you very much, Dallas. You know, danger whets my appetite. Indeed it does. Let me see. There must be a bottle of something left in this bag. Look. A bullet. It just missed your head, Doc. On the floor, Mrs. Mallory. Dallas, you and Miss Mallory, get down! Apaches, hundreds of them. Hey! Hey, Ringo! Curly's calling you from the yes, driver's Sheriff. seat, Ringo. Here's your Winchester. Use it, man. Use it! Thanks! Got my rifle. Ringo, look out! That Apache on the painted pony! Got him! See that engine on that Mustang coming alongside? Don't talk! Shoot! Well, now you see him. Now you don't. You ladies all right? We're all right. Now you see him, and now you don't. Baby all right? Yes, baby's all right. You gentlemen will be good enough to shoot Indians instead of... Hatfield's been hit. Get that Apache. I'll help Hatfield. Got him. Faster. Drive faster. Fire, fire. Can't you see they're all around us? Now, Mrs. Mallory, you'll get hurt. Easy, Hatfield. Easy. I could use some more help up here. Give me your pistol, Doc. Take it. Apaches all have big families. Don't talk. Shoot. I can't. Out of ammunition. Oh, no. Why have Buck and Curly stopped firing outside? Buck's hit. Curly's empty, too. This looks like it. No. No. I have only three bullets left. That's enough. The Indians won't get you or Mrs. Mallory or the baby. No. No, they won't. Listen. Get out. No, listen. It's a bugle. The cavalry from Lordsburg. The Apaches are breaking. They're running away. Glory, glory. 
How's Hatfield? Dead. Glory, glory. Well, good night, Ringo. This is... Is this where you live in Lordsburg? I told you. I warned you. I told you you didn't know me. This part of town is no place for a nice girl, but... But it's all right for me. Now, say goodbye, Ringo. Say goodbye. I asked you to marry me, didn't I? I'll never forget you asked me. Now go on back and wait for me in a stagecoach. Where are you going? Business with the plumber boys. I'll just take a slow walk down Main Street and see what happens. Dear Lord, this stagecoach don't pass much for a church, but but I'm praying to you here. Please, Lord. It's three to one against Ringo out there. And the plumber boys are dead shots. <laughs> Awful dead shots, Lord. <laughs> like I was saying, Lord, it's two to one, Lord. <laughs> He's all I got. And all I ever want. So please, dear Lord, please let me have him back. Please, please, please. <laughs> to anymore. Before he cashed in, Luke Plummer confessed he killed Jed Michael. You're, you're free? Yeah. And they didn't even hurt you? Dead shots like the Plummer boys? Deadest dead shots you ever saw. Oh, oh Ringo. Ringo. Dallas, what are you crying for? Nothing's happened. story of those brave men, riders of the flying wagon, in the land of Arizona, where Geronimo was chief. In the great land in the desert where the flying wagon galloped, that the white men called the stagecoach, bringing brave men to the west.
Our stars will return in just a moment. And now, here again is our special guest, the president of the Screen Directors Guild, Mr. George Marshall. The premier production of the Screen Directors' entry into radio has now joined the stagecoach itself in that great fund of memories known as the past. And speaking for the Guild, I'd like to express our gratitude to the National Broadcasting Company for the opportunity to better acquaint the public with the work and role of the screen director. Take it away, John Ford. Well, how do you hardy frontiersmen like pioneering in an NBC studio <laughs> instead of the badlands of Arizona? <laughs> Very much. You know, just the memory of that dust is enough to send me running home to wash my hair. Abby, this is wonderful. You mean wonderful? What do you mean? Well, no getting up early in the morning and arguing with a horse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's wonderful that the screen director is being honored like this. He's the fellow who really makes the movie. Blair. As for us actors and actresses, well... Oh, where would we be without you, Pappy, and others like you? That's right. You taught us our business. That's all I can say. Thanks. They're talking about wonderful things. It's a wonder that Pappy here hasn't yet displayed his fine, tyrannical <laughs> hand. How do you do? That's so war, John. Now, look, as long as we're speaking about fine, tyrannical hands, look, are we going to do this again? Because if so, uh -oh. I'd like to take you first. Uh -oh. Yeah, I thought so. You'd have something to say about it. We had that same trouble ten years ago. That's right. Hey, can't you know, you now, look, John, don't you remember? This is radio. There are no retakes. Good night, everybody. Our thanks to our stars, John Wayne, Claire Trevor, and Ward Bond, and to screen directors George Marshall and John Ford. Also heard were Barbara Fuller, Peter Leeds, Horace Murphy... Norman Field, Dan Riss, Ken Carson, and Eddie Fields. Tonight's story was adapted by Milton Geiger, and original music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. Production was under the supervision of Howard Wiley. Your announcer, Frank Barton. John Wayne can soon be seen in John Ford's Argosy production, Three Godfathers, and Claire Trevor appears in the soon-to-be-released Amusement Enterprises picture, The Lucky Stiff. Ward Bond is currently appearing in the Victor Fleming production, Joan of Arc. Screen Directors Playhouse, production Fort Apache, director John Ford, stars John Wayne, Ward Bond. The Hollywood Screen Directors present a footnote to Valor, Fort Apache, starring John Wayne and Ward Bond introduced by the director of the film, John Ford. Ever since the infant days of motion pictures, a kind of violent chain reaction has been exploding in Hollywood. The source of this rather awesome force is our guest screen director tonight. His explosions have taken the form of such brilliantly directed films as The Informer, Stagecoach, How Green Was My Valley, and tonight's story, Fort Apache. Ladies and gentlemen, the director, Mr. John Ford. Thank you. I don't know as I'd call Fort Apache an explosion... If I were translating it into sound, 
I'd say it was a bugle call, brave and distant and a little sad. An echo of the cavalry regiments that galloped to meet adventure on our western plains. Now, here's our film story for the first time on the air, starring John Wayne in his original role of Captain York and Ward Bond as Colonel Thursday, Fort Apache. This is the story of Fort Apache, of the regiment, the officers and men who manned her. How they lived, how some of them died. Fort Apache was the last frontier, a tiny cavalry outpost in the heart of Indian-infested country. My name is Captain Kirby York. I'd been through enough Indian campaigning to have a healthy respect for the Apache, both as a fighter and as a man. Colonel Owen Thursday, the new commanding officer, was a career man out of headquarters in Washington with a lot of strange ideas about frontier discipline, military science, and the lowly savage Indian. Gentlemen, I have been ordered to assume command of Fort Apache and to aid the Indian agent Meacham in putting down the uprising caused by the Apache chief, Cochise. While some of our regiments are leading well-publicized campaigns against the great Indian nations, we are asked merely to ward off a few cowardly digger Indians. The Apaches, sir, are hardly digger Indians. You would scarcely compare them with the Sioux, Captain York. No, Colonel, I wouldn't. The Sioux raided into Apache territory once. You could follow the Sioux retreat by the bones of their dead. We'll discuss that some other time, Captain. The immediate point is that Cochise and his Apaches have left the reservation. Our orders are to get them back. Sir, no troop or squadron or regiment can keep an Apache on a reservation unless he wants to stay there. Five years ago, we made a treaty with Cochise, and his Apache stayed on the reservation in peace. For how long, Captain? Until the Indian agent, Meacham, was sent out by the Indian ring. He cheated them, degraded them, until they couldn't take it anymore. Cochise broke his treaty. Yes, rather than stay here and see his nation wiped out. The political aspects of the situation do not concern me, Captain York. We have a military job to do, which I am sure we will accomplish with glory. This is hardly a country for glory, Colonel, but I wish you luck, sir. Any questions? No questions, sir. For some reason, the few Apaches who had remained on the reservation were extremely quiet. This was unusual. It worried me. But evidently it didn't worry Colonel Thursday, for about a week later I was detailed to escort his daughter out riding for an inspection of the mesa. shouldn't have raced ahead that way, Miss Thursday. Why not? Well, this is Indian country, and I'm responsible for you. Oh, I'm not afraid. Oh, oh, look, Captain, down there. Smoke. Is it an Indian signal? No, not a signal. That's where our telegraph wires run through to Fort Grant. Oh. I've got to ride down this slope and find out. Can you get back alone? Alone? No, no, I'm going with you. Here. Easy now. Let him have his head. Uh. It's a wagon burning. Yeah, it's the one we sent out on the patrol, the telegraph line. Don't look. Stay here. But the men. They're dead. Huh? The 
patches. Oh. oh. Come on, let's get out of here. We've got to get back to the fort. Colonel. Colonel Thursday, sir. Now what, Captain York? Repair wagon. Burned. And the troopers? Spread eagle down the wheels. Roasted. Oh, no. Where'd it happen? Near Blue Mesa, sir. They cut the telegraph wires. Captain Collingwood, hand me that map. Yes, sir. Now, show me the place, York. Here, sir. On this low spot between the hills. Captain York, send out a wagon a detail to repair the wires and bring back the bodies. Yes, sir. Sergeant Mulcahy. Yes, sir. Assemble a platoon from Company A. A platoon? I said a detail, Captain. An officer and four men. But those Apaches may still be around, Colonel. I am running a command, not a debating society. Captain York, you will personally take the detail and leave at once. Very good, sir. If I know Apaches, Colonel, you're sending those men to a certain death. I know what I am doing, Collingwood. And now you assemble a platoon immediately. You mean the platoon is going to trail a wagon? Correct, at a striking distance. Surely, Collingwood, even you have heard of the trap as a military weapon. Uh, yes, sir. I don't like this, Captain. Send us out like this alone. Neither do I. What do you think, sir? You think the devils will be waiting for us? Can't tell. Patches are tricky. Take it easy now. The wire breaks just around this bend. Right. Oh! Where up there, Mother of mercy, two of our own lads burned alive. Why, you devils, you mother of... Quiet, Mulcahy. They've been back. They've stripped off the men's shoes. The barbarians. Well, make them pay with me own hands. All right, men, quick. Get out those blankets and that wire and work fast. I know Apaches, they'll be back. Hey, Pete... Yeah, we're going. Go for it. Get up on that pole and fix that wire break. All right, we're going. I'll, I'll take care of our men myself. I'm going up that rock and have a look. They're around here. I can feel it. Any sign of them? Nothing yet, but hurry it up. They know we're here. Down! Get down! Get down off that pole, man! Come on, let's get out of here. Put the wire break. It's not fixed yet. You haven't got a chance. All right, men. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. There must be a hundred of them. Diablo's band. We're like clay pigeons out here in the open. Master, we got to outrun them. It's our only chance. Let the devil return fire.
You are listening to the Screen Directors Playhouse production of Fort Apache, starring John Wayne and Ward Bond, and introduced by the director of the film, Mr. John Ford. You are in Atlantic City. The boardwalk is crowded with strollers. You, foot-weary and breathless from a marathon walk, pause to wipe the perspiration from your forehead. The salt air is cooling, but somehow it doesn't satisfy your thirst. There must be a place nearby where you can... Wait a second. What's that little blue sign in the cafe window? Oh, brother. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Finest beer served anywhere. Yes, during these hot August days, you're just one of millions of men all over America to whom that Pabst Blue Ribbon sign means welcome relief. For Pabst Blue Ribbon does something more than quench your thirst. It gives you taste. Blue Ribbon taste. The kind of taste you can't get anywhere else in the world except in that Pabst Blue Ribbon bottle. And, fortunately, you can get that Blue Ribbon bottle all over the world. Yes, you hear it everywhere, in Atlantic City and Appleton and Ann Arbor and Atlanta. Pabst Blue Ribbon, finest beer served anywhere. Your taste will tell you why. Now, back to our Screen Director's Playhouse production of Fort Apache, starring John Wayne and Ward Bond. What was left of Diablo's raiding party after the battle, we took back to the reservation at Claw Springs. But that didn't solve the problem. They were just a handful. There were still Cochise in the entire Apache nation across the Rio Bravo in Mexico. But right here at Claw Springs was the root of the trouble. The unscrupulous Indian agent, Meacham. Mr. York, how good to see you. Captain York Meacham. Oh, yes, of course, you soldier boys and your title. And this is Colonel Thursday. Ah, another exile in the Mr. wilderness. Mr. Meacham, a band of Indians left this reservation. Yes, the ungrateful dogs. I treat them well. Meacham, I... you drove Cochise and the Apaches off this reservation by starving and degrading them. Why, I... I giving them whiskey instead of beef, trinkets instead of blankets. But I, I... Cochise did the only thing a decent man could do. He left and took his people with him. Across the Rio Bravo into Mexico. Why, he he broke his treaty, and I demand you soldier boys bring him back by force if necessary. Any demands you wish to make, Mr. Meacham, will be made through official channels. Well, I only... Captain York, what's in those boxes? They're marked books, sir. More likely cheap whiskey. No, no, he's lying. I'll open them and see, Captain. Mulcahy. Rachel. You're the colonel. Here, here, what are you doing? You have no right to... Oh, it's a miracle, sir. The books have turned into whiskey in a barrel. Uh, uh, I have a government license to keep a medicinal supply of... What shall we do with the books, Colonel? Destroy them. Mulcahy. Yes, sir. And what about these Winchester rifles, sir? Destroy them, too. No, no, you can't. This is private property. You have no right Meacham, to... Meacham, you're a blackguard, a liar, a hypocrite, and the stench in the nostrils of an honest man. If it were in my power, I'd hang you from the nearest tree and leave your carcass for the buzzards. But as a representative of the United States government, you are entitled to the protection of my command. But that is all. Good day, sir.
sent for me, Colonel? Sit down, Captain York. Yes, sir. Now, about this Cochise. We've got to bring him back. In six campaigns, he's our generalist, outfought us, and outrun us. That's just the point. There aren't enough troops in the territory to make him come back. But one man, a man he trusts, might persuade him. Cochise knows me. You're a fool, Captain. Assuming you found Cochise, his men would cut you to pieces. Well, that's possible, sir, but I've never lied to Cochise, and if you'll assure him decent treatment for his people, A I... carbine against his spine might be more persuasive. Oh, I'd have to go unarmed, sir. Have you forgotten what happened to the men on the repair wagon? Well, I can't fight my way to Cochise. Other men have tried that. If we could manage to get him back to United States soil... Hmm. Well, you have my permission, Captain. How many men will you need? One, sir. Sergeant Beaufort. He knows the country. He was born in Mexico. I'd like to leave at once, sir. Proceed, Captain, and take your sergeant. I hope you make it. Three days, Sergeant Beaufort, and we haven't seen a sign of an Apache. See, si, but they have seen us. You can be sure of that. Captain, look. Look over against that hill. A signal mirror. Another one answering from this side. Yeah, they're here, all right. We're between them. Come on, Beaufort, smile. Uh, it's too late to do anything else. They must be camped right above us. That is not always right above us. Look up. Look up on the rocks. Holy smokes. Covered with Apaches. On both sides of the past, thousands of them. Looks like they were expecting us. Keep smiling, Beaufort. We're going in. Captain, look at those rifles they're carrying. Winchester seven-shot repeaters. Our friend Meacham. Uh, looks like every chief in the tribe is here. Eyes straight ahead, Beaufort. Is that him? That's Cochise in front. This is close enough. Good luck, sir. Buenas tardes, Cochise. We come in peace. Buenas tardes, friend. Captain York, you got back. Well? Cochise has crossed the river, Colonel. He's coming in with all these people. He wants to talk peace. He's back on American soil? Yes, sir. Good. Captain, the regiment moves out at dawn. The regiment? But I promised Cochise we'd meet him alone, unarmed. You and me and Meacham. Why Meacham? He insists Meacham be present. Very well. You will prepare your troops to march at dawn. But Cochise will think I've tricked him. Exactly. We have tricked him. We've tricked him into returning to American soil, and I intend to see that he stays here. Colonel, I gave Cochise my word. Your word to a breech-clouded savage? To an illiterate, uncivilized murderer and treaty breaker? There is no question of honor, sir, between an American officer and Cochise. There is to me, Colonel. You can't send out the regiment. Captain York, so long as you are in my command, you will obey my orders. The regiment will march at dawn.
this approximately where you were to meet Cochise, Captain York? Just about. Halt the troops. Oh! 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 Captain, I propose to deploy our men, sending two troops to the north and one to the east. The Apaches, sir, are neither north nor east, and they're not in their encampment. If you'd been watching the dust swirls to the south, as most of us were, you'd know they're over there, just coming over the ridge. That's Cochise now, sir. They're about four to our one. Most of them with Winchester rifles. Do we talk, Colonel, or fight? You seem easily impressed by numbers, Captain. However, I'll honor your word to Cochise. Where's Mr. Meacham? Meacham! Here, sir. At your Mr. Side, Meacham, Colonel. we are riding out to talk with Cochise. Oh, he's not the kind you can talk to, Colonel. I warn you. You will accompany he... us, Mr. Meacham. Yeah. Come on, Captain. Hup! Hup! Take over, York. I have the honor, illustrious chief, of presenting the commander of our regiment, Colonel Thursday. We have come to talk. The Apaches are a great nation. Proud, never conquered. But it's not good for nation always to fight. Young men die, old ones hungry. So I bring my people to a reservation. Then this man come make trouble. He means you, Meacham. He, he, he lies. The evil man who make my people bad is worse than war. He starved my children. No. He killed my people. No, it's not true. I... Send him away and we will talk peace. If not, there will be more war. Are you threatening us? Why... Don't interrupt. It's an insult. And for each of us, you kill. Ten white men will die. Silence! I did not come here to be threatened. Cochise, I find you without honor. That government which I represent orders you to return to the reservation by dawn or we will attack. It's getting light, Colonel. What do you think? I think they've had their chance. Now it's time they had their lesson. Hand me your binoculars, Captain. Yes, sir. Mm, I don't see them. Not a one down in the pass. They're there, sir, but not down in the pass, up on the rim rock. How can you know that? Because if I were Cochise, that's where I'd take up my position. What about that dust cloud at the far end of the pass? It's an Apache trick, sir. Women and children dragging mesquite to make us ride through that narrow pass into an ambush. Very ingenious, Captain. You make me suspect that your Cochise studied under Alexander the Great at least. Gentlemen, mount your troops. We charge through the pass in a column of fours. Mounted in fours? Colonel, that'd be suicide. I tell you, they're up in those rocks on either side of the pass. It's an ambush. Captain York, there is no room in this regiment for a coward. You will remain on the ridge in safety with the supply wagons. Yes, sir. A charge in fours? Thursday was insane. I took Sergeant Mulcahy with me and wheeled the wagons back up onto the ridge. Roll up! The regiment started forward at the half gallop. The faces of the men set and grim. There they go, Captain. The finest lads they ever soldier. First the A Company. Down into the pass. They didn't have a chance. 
But they kept charging through. B Company, C Company, horses, men, racing, shooting, tumbling crazily as they fell screaming. Captain, look! Colonel Thursday's been hit! Keep me covered, Mulcahy! Colonel Thursday! York, hop me on your horse! Here, follow me, Colonel. I'm dug in on the ridge top. No, Captain. Your saber. I must rejoin my command. There is no command. It's wiped out. We're all that's left of it, don't you understand? Us and the wagons on the ridge. Then back to your ridge, Captain. We'll charge in force. Come back, Colonel. Come back. Come back. Hurry, Captain, over here. Thanks, Mulcahy. Down quick. You'll draw their fire. What difference does it make? Wiped out. Wiped out. Every man. The devils. The murdering devils. It's all over. No. Here they come. A whole Apache nation. We've got a rifle apiece and 40 rounds, Captain. No, wait. Make them count. Every one for the men that's gone. No, Sergeant. Hold your fire. They've stopped. Cochise is raiding out to us. Here. Take my gun. But, Captain. I gave Cochise my word. I'll meet him unarmed. Wipe Colonel Secochis without honor. White Colonel dead. <coughs> I give you your flag. For a moment, Cochise stared at me. Then he wheeled his horse, and like a great wind, the Apaches rode away. he gave us back our flag, the regimental guidon we'd carried into battle. Now the regiment of Fort Apache has been reformed. Names are all changed. Those others haven't been forgotten because they haven't died. They're living right out there. Tomorrow when we take to the field, they'll be riding with us. Collingwood, O'Rourke, Mulcahy, Bulford, yes, and Thursday. Their names may change and their faces, but they're the regiment and the regular army, now and 50 years from now. You have just heard the last act of Fort Apache. In a moment, our stars, John Wayne and Ward Bond, and screen director John Ford will return to the microphone. Now, how about a word from the director of Fort Apache, if Ward Bond will bring Pappy over here? 
What do you mean, bring Pappy over here? That's the trouble with you actors. Just because I'm a director, you think I'm afraid of a microphone. Well, Pappy? Well, I am, and that's why I'm going to say good night and get out of here. There speaks one of the world's greatest directors. Come on, Pappy. Good night, folks. Good night. Good night. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about The Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.